Welcome back to another episode of the 100K Freelancer Club podcast. Today I had a really cool conversation with a great guest. This guest is a freelancer turned tech founder and we discussed the future of tech businesses and SaaS products. We talked about the traps freelancers fall into when they're starting out and also how and why to treat your freelance career as a business. Uh, Then we also had a great discussion around how a CRM system is essential for success if you wanna pick up a lot of clients and maximize your earnings from those clients. So if you wanna listen to this great conversation between me and Ben Gallagher, then you're in the right place. But before you do so, before you carry on, we'd love it if you could hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you may be listening to this podcast. It really does help us out. And if you wanna get more content from the 100K Freelance Club, head over to 100kfreelancerclub.com and sign up for our free courses and programs. But without further ado, let's jump right into the podcast. I will start as I always start with the most basic question in the world, and that is, uh, how are you doing today, Ben? Oh, I'm doing uh, pretty well, I would say. I'm uh, here in northern Germany. I live in Hamburg, and we actually yesterday got some fluffy and beautiful snow coming down, uh, like three or maybe even four centimeters of snow. And if anyone is uh, familiar with this area of the world, you know that even in winter, even when it gets cold, it's usually just cold rain up here. So it was like a little winter wonderland with like just beautiful snow clouds swirling around right next to my window. It was lovely. So I'm in a fantastic mood. Ah, lovely. Yeah, winter wonderland. I think the same is going to happen in England at the weekend as well. So I'm flying to England on Saturday night and I've seen the forecast and there's supposed to be snow. So I can actually fly there. But yeah, looking forward to like a little bit of snow. Are you originally from Germany, or where where are you from? No, I'm I'm American. I was born oh. and raised in Virginia on the East Coast, uh, but I w- I've spent basically my entire adult life abroad and the last ten years in Germany. So um, I don't have you know too much uh, affiliation, so to speak, with uh, understanding <laughs> the country or the people outside of my family. I'm not there all that often, uh, so it's sometimes feels weird to tell people I'm American because I can hardly even remember, you know, a time when I lived there and I was so young, you know, completely different person back then. So this version of myself is uh, still speaks American English and uh, still goes home for the holidays on occasion. But yeah, my life is basically uh, all here in Germany now. Nice. So you say you came, I'm guessing you came over as a child then to Europe? Or, or no, no. Europe? So I, when I say... Uh, I left, I studied in the United States in Boston, and then I immediately um, left and went to South Korea for a couple of years. I did some English teaching abroad, as many uh, English native English speakers uh, have done in the past and continue to do. And that was just really fun for me. And uh, at some point I thought, man, if I'm having this much fun in you know this random new country I've never been to, maybe I could have just as much fun somewhere else. And I ended up in Germany. And then as I got older, the idea of starting from zero in a new place slowly started to become a little less attractive to me. So I've just kind of uh, hunkered down and made a life for myself here. Yeah, I, I can relate to that so much. Like I love traveling around, going to new places, like starting afresh. But like as I've gotten a bit older, that sort of willingness to to start again from zero, zero friends, zero connections, mm-hmm. like zero it's, events going on is, is quite It becomes harder. Yeah, exactly. My friend, I actually got, you probably went to the same program actually. My friend um, a couple of years ago went to um, teach English in uh, Korea and he met his wife out there who was from Canada and they I went to that wedding uh, a couple of weeks back uh, oh, awesome. because they met in Korea uh, teaching English. So that's pretty, Good yeah, them. that's pretty cool. But why did you decide on Germany then? So you say you've been in Germany for 10 years. I'm mm. guessing all of your business-related uh, stuff and taxes is registered in Germany. So yes. what, what made you pick it? Uh, that, that choice was kind of made for me in a way by, by fate. I also uh, had a, a relationship that uh, started in Korea with a German woman who ended up dragging me to Germany with her. 
And then at some point, I, I thought, I don't really like this woman very much anymore, but I do like Germany, so I'm going to get rid of her and stay here nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ended up, uh, yeah, I ended up staying. I actually found, found a perfect uh, person for me. So I went to Asia, and I dated some Asian women, but it never quite clicked. And then I dated this German woman and ended up in Germany, but uh, it never quite clicked. And my wife is actually half Vietnamese, half German. So the perfect... <laughs> 50-50 mix. Perfect balance, yeah. <laughs> it's the, the Asian food, but European sentiment is, seems to be a good one for me. Oh, very nice, very nice. And uh, I've, I've heard that Germany is a nightmare to start a business, to run a business, and to be a freelancer. I've heard it's one of the more... Mm. I've never experienced it firsthand, but in terms of all the red tape and stuff, I've heard it's quite difficult compared to most of Europe. Um, that's a good question. Maybe, uh, I'm not the best person to answer because I don't have any experience doing this anywhere else. Um, so I only know really what the Germans uh, are all about. And I haven't had too many in-depth uh, discussions with entrepreneurs outside of Germany. Although I, I have also gotten the, uh, heard, heard the odd saying and gotten the impression from other people that it could be easier. Uh, Germans really like to be yeah, I, I would say just very thorough. So it's it's not necessarily that it's uh, perhaps harder mm, harder to start a business. There are just more papers to fill out, more considerations in terms of your your lifestyle, and then of course all of the the social programs involving your um, insurance and everything surrounding it. So it can. It can definitely be a hassle, especially if you're someone who's maybe uh, doesn't have a background doing any like self-employed type of work or freelancing or starting businesses. Um, but I come from a background where I basically freelanced for most of my adult life. Uh, I haven't actually had a job for more than a few passing years uh, since I was 18, I guess. <laughs> so. For me, it's just it was just like oh, okay, I'm starting an, another thing. I know the drill. I got to fill out the papers. I got to tell the government. I got to do this, that, and the other thing. Um, so yeah, it might be a little awkward and confusing and stressful. But for me personally, it's just it's worth jumping through the hoops to be able to do my own thing and to have that control over what I'm up to. And uh, that's always been attractive to me. So I'm willing to go that extra mile. And may maybe one day I'll I'll go do it somewhere else and look back and think, Germany, how can... <laughs> no wonder yeah, I went, how did you no wonder I went gray so early. <laughs> yeah, I just heard from uh, a couple of people in England because England is, well, I'm probably biased, but like a very easy place to become self-employed to start a mm. business. There's very small, like very few barriers to entry. If anything, there's quite a lot of encouragement to do so um, but speaking just on what I've heard from other people it seems to be uh, a lot more difficult uh, in Germany so maybe you would get that if you move to another company and be like ah oh, this is so much easier but I suppose if you start difficult it can only get uh, better from there mm. um, but you said that you, know, you've been, you haven't had a, a job in a very long time how did you start your sort of freelance career um, it was kind of started for me because I was in a niche where jobs are more often to be like freelance than uh, than not. So I, I studied music composition when I was younger. That's what I went to school for. And I became a composer and I did uh, sound design, created sound effects for like media, for films and commercials and uh, eventually video games as well. And those are just uh, that kind of work, especially for folks that do audio is rarely like you're either at a studio getting one of the rare studio jobs at a studio that's like made it and also been able to stay afloat despite the uh, amazing technical you know upset in the recent years with streaming and with especially now like AI voices and AI music and all this other stuff that's been kind of like you know a slow bulldozer just kind of pushing its way across the the music industry landscape. Um, so that's that's just a field in which most people end up freelancing, if not like very often, uh, perhaps their entire lives. So I've always been freelancing. And so, yeah, that's just the way 
the cookie crumbled in my life, so to speak. Okay, that's interesting. I think I think quite a few people that have been full-time freelancers find themselves in a similar situation where it's just that the skill that they have is, or like the job that they want to do is more of like, uh, you know, it's more commonly uh, freelanced. And mm-hmm. so you think, so now your main day-to-day is full scope freelancer, right? Which we will dive into uh, more in a minute, but you've started um, essentially a, a tech startup uh, and this is your, uh, and this is your day to day at the moment, right? Yeah, that's definitely getting all of my focus nowadays. How did you find that transition? So, going from essentially a service based freelancer to mm. a tech entrepreneur, was there any struggles that you encountered um, during that process? Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. It's not, you know, not what I went and and studied and learned how to do i mean everything surrounding uh, what i'm doing now is just i had to be self-taught and learned through pain sweat and and blood and tears and um kind of figure thing figuring things out that you know i i had no idea about beforehand but it's something that i felt uh, very strongly about and had also a strong interest in and so it kind of uh, yeah it's just what drew my attention and after you know around about 15 years of working in audio i was also just at a place in my life where i thought Man, i could i could imagine doing something else trying something new i i i know some people are like especially in the creative world a lot of people there you know there's that strong like passion associated with what they do you know if you i compose music or i'm like a designer or i'm a writer and that's just, that's my thing and i, I never uh, I, I always was attracted to music and I love playing guitar, but it's never something, even when I was like in my, uh, in my youth and, you know, studying full time and preparing for the career, I never think had the same level of like, oh, this has got to be like, if I can't make it in music, I can't do anything else. Like this is, this is me. This is my, uh, you know, this is my purpose and calling kind of thing. Um, so I, I definitely, you know, went through that for a while for those 15 years that I was working in audio and had a lot of fun and I not to say that I didn't enjoy it but I yeah I was always I think open-minded to doing something else and then when that something else you know popped up then I was just the the kind of person to say okay yeah I could I could switch gears I could check out something new and and see what happens here yeah so it's almost like natural progression for you then yeah I think um, because you know what I'm doing now it, st- it still has a uh, a relationship to what I did before, uh, as again I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. So it's not like I went from composing music for video games to I don't know being a butcher, <laughs> it's like some, just something totally random and you know uh, with with no relation at all to what I was up to before. So it's it's more of a progression in my mind. Uh, still going in a similar direction, but not in that straight line that I was on. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I sometimes have days where I've, you know, 12 hours on a laptop and I'm like, you know, fuck this, I'm going to become a wasabi farmer. Just, uh, <laughs> just completely... I heard that's very lucrative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, keep talking to, um, I keep talking to my friends about it. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this, I'm starting a farm, like... Um, I do this like uh and they're like yeah you should get into wasabi man like there's a lot of money in wasabi i'm like all right let's do it i'm gonna start a wasabi farm but that's just uh, yeah that that would be a massive change thing so yeah what you've done there is a much more natural progression it's almost like a like an evolution that you've plus one it seems like there's a lot of people that after working freelance for a number of years um when they start to make big bucks from freelancing and they're always, if you're, especially if you're the type of person that's always looking to achieve more or earn more, I think at some point you reach a ceiling as a freelancer, um, as well, as a, as a service-based freelancer, if you're offering a specific service like your graphic design or video production uh, services, a lot of people then go into a video agency um, in, in along this line and start in a company and trying to scale it by hiring people mm-hmm. this is a completely different ball game to freelancing because it's like there's a lot more moving pieces yes as a freelancer you do have like a micro business of your own and you still have like you know accounts and 
know, taxes and everything to do like businesses do, but it just a lot more risk is involved when you take that next step is to say like entrepreneurship in, you know, really bringing in people, employing people, uh, even just working with other people. Like when you're a freelancer, I'm sure you've done this in the past as well. You've maybe worked with, you've asked a friend to help you on a project or you've mm -hmm. asked somebody else to do a certain part of a certain project for you. And it's sort of like easy come, easy go. But now in your situation uh, as a founder of a company, I guess it's less easy come, easy go because you've got more committed people for longer term working on the project even if it's not you know paid people or you know they're they're on payroll it's still people that are committed to um the project and they may want equity they may want certain things so how is sure, that and, and you, you i think that the, sort of thing? the yeah the difference is just uh, perhaps yeah in the, in the relationship uh, short term versus long term because if i if i'm doing you know freelance jobs and I bring someone on, like you just mentioned, to help me out. Uh, if they suck or I hate working with them, I just you know don't hire them again for the next job. And maybe I only have to deal with them for one or two months, or maybe even less, depending on the scope of the job. Uh, but yeah, the the difference is, and and I think a lot of people fail at this, and it's yet to be seen whether I'll do a, a fantastic job. Uh, I'm certainly trying my best, but yeah, I think there's an people who try to make that move from like freelancer to agency, for example, or freelancer to productized services that require at minimum like a VA or someone helping them out just to stay organized, you know, having someone beneath you suddenly having to uh, take all of that expertise and all of the like the goals and plans that you have in your head and put them in someone else's in a way that they understand, they, you know, grasp the, the scope of the work, they share your goals and visions, they can be creative and you know make decisions on the fly that are good for the business and you know there's so much work and so much uh, there's a completely different skill involved in that that uh yeah maybe in if we come back again in 10 years i'll be able to speak on more from no doubt a, a good amount of failures and hopefully a couple successful uh, ventures in that direction as well yeah exactly well i mean the, the venture that you've got now is i, I was extremely excited about and when in fact, when you reached out to me for the first time with the email and I checked out Full Scope Freelancer, I was almost convinced that it wasn't real or there was no <laughs> way it could work because it just seemed like way too much. So I'll give a description of the, and you can stop me if I'm not doing it justice, but so essentially Full Scope Freelancer is yeah, a SaaS software, software as a service, right? So you've got everything that you probably already use as a freelancer in one place under one small subscription, which saves you a ton of money, it saves you a load of admin, and it's just there perfectly. So you've got a calendar booking system like Calendly. You can build your own website inside of this system like a, you know, like a, like a sort of WordPress or Kajabi type system. You can even build your own course inside of the system and sell the course. It's your own email marketing, so like MailChimp, for example. Mm -hmm. it, you have your own you know, CRM system. You have your own automation system, so you, can tag, uh, so you can tag customers and clients with certain tags. And now this gets ultra interesting because with the tagging system and the automation, and this is what you were describing to me in one of the uh, first meetings that we had that got me really excited, is you can set up these automatic processes for clients so you can do the invoicing through there as well um so essentially you could have somebody come in you tag them as a client uh under a certain thing it automatically sends them an invoice for that service when you tag the project is complete it automatically sends them a follow-up requesting a review for that service it's like all of these things that are so important in your freelance career that we often forget to do even i'm guilty of it sometimes even being in the freelance game for over a decade it's just that you can automize these processes and it's like, you know, it does everything for you. And on top of all that, it just, yeah, it just, I mean, it, it blew my mind when I looked at it because I was like, how, how are they doing this? How, how do they, how do they make any money Harry because of the things? So, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and, and ask you a question. I was like, how is this all possible? How have you taken seven or eight plus businesses 
and softwares and cram them all into one affordable place? Yeah, I think um, you know, my, my philosophy, and I'm certainly not the person to come up with this, and many people share the philosophy is that you know, software and technology is going to eat up everything. And it's only going to get better. It's only going to get faster. It's only going to get more powerful. And it's only going to get cheaper over time. And I think what uh, we're doing is is just you know the a kind of next step in that. I think uh, kind of you could imagine like for example, I've heard this. Uh, it's a great metaphor in the music world. Is that there's like a, a a type of compression and decompression that happens naturally in the evolution of uh, certain industries. So like music used to be you bought everything as uh, due to the technolo technological restrictions. You know, you bought all of your music as singles on these vinyl, uh, you know, big vinyl platters that look like dinner tapes, if anyone's too young to remember. And then, you know, they, they eventually were able to put an entire album on the thing, and then eventually they were able to put it on a tape, and then eventually they were able to put it on a CD, and then all everything fit in an iPod, and how crazy was that? And then now it's all in one place in a streaming platform. And a, as we've gotten to that place, now even people are actually going back and they're decompressing. They like the vinyls, and they like, you know, having the sec separation because it's uh, perhaps... A, it helps you avoid a little bit like the smartphone brain these days of just like constantly flipping to the next thing and being able to take a breath and put a vinyl on and listen to a whole album. It's just like, you know, who remembers what that's like anymore? And I think that's going to happen with technology in general. And that's it's the, the pain point that like drove me to do what we're doing today is just having like to juggle all of these ridiculous uh, software subscriptions when I was a freelancer. And the more I learned about running my business, the more of those pieces of software I wish I had, and the more and more you know, the expenses were being racked up. And uh, so I was, I was just like, damn, this is a real uh, a real issue. And it, I know it prevented me personally from moving forward with some plans that I had for my you know, business and my freelancing pursuits uh, concerning like tech, uh, tech upgrades that I wish I could afford or you know, wanted to try, but it's just too pricey. And so I, I came across um, uh, uh, basically an opportunity uh, through the, the magic, uh, magic of white label uh, software. So essentially what this platform does is uh, you probably have even noticed inside the platform, for example, we have an app that you can connect your account to, and then you can have uh, parts of the services, not everything, but parts of the services like the conversations and the CRM and stuff can be on an app. But the app does not, is not called Fullscope Freelancer. It's called Lead Connector. Lead Connector is essentially a piece of software that we can rent to help us serve our clients with uh, the, the tools and the software that we want them to have access to. And the same thing with the client, or uh, rather the course and like membership portal that we also have. This is also a white label software. So we're able to basically take these Lego uh, puzzle, or puzzle pieces or Lego blocks and stick them together in a way that we can then offer people the all-in-one like package that I wish I could have had five, ten years ago when I was, you know, subscribed to Zapier and subscribed to Mailchimp and subscribed to Wix and WordPress and subscribed to uh, PipeDrive for my CRM and it's like had like five or six software, so many that sometimes I would even forget that I was still subscribed to one of them, <laughs> like forget to use it for my business. And so uh, when I realized that I could use that opportunity with these these tools which are you know now that they've been built so many times by so many developers i can imagine like for even just a semi-competent developer somewhere to build a crm system is probably not that difficult anymore and to build some automation tools is probably not that difficult anymore and because the difficulty is going down because the amount of developers that have that knowledge and can do that job is going up you know that's just pushing down the price and it's presenting new opportunities in the market. So I've wanted, when I saw that and saw how, what, you know, it was like the back scratcher for the itch that I always had in my freelance business. And I had the opportunity to grab it in my hand and not only scratch my own back, but everyone else's back too. I thought, this is something I will regret not pursuing. So it's kind of, again, I think I mentioned earlier, it kind of called out to me, so to speak. And I was just like, oh man, that is just too interesting to pass up. Jeez, this is really, really cool. And um, since I felt, again, like, you no, know, I, I felt that I understood it, I, I knew 
the the pain that it was uh, alleviating for the market, at least that I am targeting, then it just kind of all made sense to me when I was, was uh, became aware of that opportunity. Yeah. So essentially, you've done what most great entrepreneurs do: is you've solved a problem that you had. You built a product to solve a problem that you personally had. Right. And I I give it like all respect and adoration to people who can go and do this with something that they don't even really know much about. They just see an opportunity. But damn, it's hard enough when I feel like I, I at least definitely know the target audience and the problem. It's still really, really difficult. So sometimes I, I it just like kind of have, you know, these these big like doughy eyes when I think about, you know, some of these ultra entrepreneurs. I'm just like, how did how the hell did you figure out how to sell like a billion diapers when you're a 50 year old man <laughs> who's Without never been kids. married and yeah. never had kids? <laughs> yeah. Like, how did you do that? Like, I feel like I'm as close to my you know customer as I could possibly be, and even then, I'm just like, damn, some of the stuff I'm doing is just not resonating with people. I need to change what I'm up to. How is it, like what's wrong? Where's you know where's the problem? Uh, so that's that's something that gets me every time. Some that maybe and gives me too much false confidence on occasion because I feel like I know exactly what the customer wants, but then I try to show them it to them in a way that would have gotten me and it doesn't work. So you still always have to be mindful that, you know, I, you're, you're just a one of one. And, uh, even, even if you think like the cost perfect custom customer avatar is you incarnate, you can still, you know, stumble over your own feet trying to roll out whatever your product or service you're uh, offering to to your audience and to other customers yeah exactly i mean there's a there's a product development philosophy which i'm going to butcher this but it's about it's um, customer-based design and like product-based design and it's like Mm. the difference between two companies that are like one's good and one's bad essentially is the one team goes ahead and builds a product based on what they think the market wants and they keep adding features and adding features and adding features and what they think the market wants. And then the other business, which is tends to be the successful one, is a customer-based business where they just take feedback from the customer. And unless it is a requested feature, they do not add the feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess... It kind of pulls into to what you were just talking about there is where like, okay, you've designed this for yourself. You've got it to a point where, you know, this is the perfect solution for the problems that you had. But now you say sometimes you're not resonating with um, like some potential clients. How have you adapted to that or what are you doing to overcome that challenge? I think one big thing for at least the full scope freelance, uh, full scope freelancer business um, is that there's a healthy amount of education involved, and that's I, that's totally fair, and um, I, I expected that uh, going into it because I also, up until you know probably six years ago, I want to say, didn't know what a CRM was, didn't understand why that would be useful to me, like I, I wasn't aware of all of the possibilities because I think a lot of um, Freelancers, or maybe it was just me, but I, I have the feeling a lot of freelancers think that like freelancing and running a business is somehow like a completely different thing, uh, like totally separate from each other. And so to like watch or consume business content or use business tools or like think so much about marketing is like, ah, but I'm a freelancer. That doesn't apply to me. And that's a big mistake. And that's a mistake that I made for a long time is just thinking that somehow freelancing is just like this magical non-business entity that doesn't need to consider like maybe running paid ads or, or you know, spending money on customer outreach or doing cold calls. It's just like it, things will just somehow work out <laughs> however I imagined that working. So, you know, people, uh, I, I think, can, especially very creative people, uh, I've, I've seen this a lot is their creativity off the charts. They're making, doing amazing work. They're making amazing things. But if they don't conceptualize themselves as a business that has to go out and actually show the world the amazing things they create and explain to the world why this amazing thing would bring value 
to it, then they have trouble making sales. They have trouble getting customers. They have trouble, you know, basically turning that creative enterprise into a business enterprise. And only a business enterprise can pay your bills at the end of the day. Only a business enterprise can support your family at the end of the day. And um, it can be a business enterprise that relies on your creativity. But you know, creativity is it's uh, the value of a thing is not always apparent to everyone, even if it seems apparent to you. Yeah, that's very true. I think the business side of freelancing is often forgotten, very creative people. I mean, sometimes I look on Instagram and other platforms and I see these amazing pieces of work and think these guys must be killing it. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out they're not. It's because they're too, well, it's not that they're too focused on the design. It's just that they don't pay any attention to actually nurturing the business of it, to actually growing the business. And, And I think a lot of beginner freelancers, they've, fall into one of two categories. One is which they start freelancing, they don't take the business side of it seriously, they don't treat it like a business like you said, they don't get enough clients, they don't get enough money, there's not enough cash in the bank to pay the rent, so therefore they have to go and get a job and then they give up on the freelancing. The other side of the coin is that they start freelancing, they have some massive success to start with because they may have be very experienced in the field, they might be a developer coming from Google or something, Um, or, you know, anything along those lines, they're just good at a particular skill. They pick up one client pretty easily through, you know, for a friend or their existing network who then, you know, refers them to another. And then just out of the gate, they've had two great clients. They might have been working for them for a good number of months, uh, but they haven't been doing anything to ensure, like, the safety and progression of their business. And then when those contracts finish, they're, dry there's they're thinking well i made a lot of money but now i've got nothing coming in now what do i do and it's like mm-hmm. these two types of people have both neglected that process and obviously that's what we try and do here on our platform and with this podcast is to try and educate people on the business side of freelancing to make it as easy as possible for them to run and operate and grow a freelance business and give them the most time possible to be able to focus on the thing that they actually like doing whether that's you know music production video editing um whatever that may be but yeah it's, it's super difficult um for for people to come to to come to terms with this and yeah. yeah i think a crm system is one of those things that it sounds daunting and when you look at things like hubspot which is probably in these other platforms these other big platforms and salesforce which you probably know because they sponsor the F1 and all this kind of stuff. And like you're exposed <laughs> to it, right? But you yeah. just think that they're for massive corporations like yeah. Microsoft and this whole process. Yeah, is I don't have 2,000 like employees, so why, why would that interest me? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But what is your like experience? What's your experience been like with these? Uh, well, with CRM systems, like in your early days as a freelancer and throughout your freelance career, did you use a CRM system? Oh, no. So it's something I learned about, sadly, way too late in my life. Um, and I, w- I would say any anyone who started freelancing without knowing about it is learning it too late because it's really uh, one of my favorite tools to use. Um, so I would say, you know, the I understood how powerful a CRM was for me when I started understanding that it's like having a second brain that's just better than me. And I mean that in a way I shouldn't, I don't want to denigrate myself too much, but I can be a bit scatterbrained at times. And so when I'm thinking of, you know, what's, what's one of the most important things for my business, it's having customers. It's not only having customers now, it's having customers in the future. And the only way to go about making sure that you have always have customers now and always have customers for the future is to have a healthy network of people who know, like, and trust you and are aware of your existence so that when projects come up, you're the person they think of. Well, if you're basically a freelancer in any niche, you need to know and be connected with probably at least 10 times more people than actually end up hiring you. If not, maybe a hundred times. I mean, you know, you go out and meet a hundred people at a networking event. If one of them becomes a customer, that was a success. It was just like, you know, the, 
it's and it's not because you didn't convince them all how, of how great you are and what a perfect fit you'd be for their business or for their projects. It's just that maybe they don't have any projects for you right now, or maybe uh, you're too expensive for them right now. And but in a year from now, they'll be making more money and they could afford you and would like to pay more for that service. You know, there's there's all all sorts of reasons. And so you go out, you spend all this time, and I, I think networking is one of the few things everyone seems to like understand. Okay, that's important. I have to go to some events. I have to meet some people. I have to find where my customers are hanging out and go, you know, and go meet them where they are. But if you're, I know, someone like me who is not an ultra genius with a perfect memory, you go out to a networking event, even if you don't meet a hundred people, let's say ten people. Well. A month or two months from now, the likelihood that I remember all 10 of those people, I remember their names, I remember where they work, I remember what we talked about, and can call that information to mind and you know, uh, think of it the next time we meet or next time I see them at an event or think to follow up with them about a project that they were talking about because they said it was three months out. You know, The likelihood that I'm going to be able to juggle all of that stuff just in my little old gray matter up here is very, very low. And that's just exactly what a CRM does is it takes all of that information that you are never going to be able to juggle in your mind alone. And it puts it in a system that you can design and you can essentially call upon, open up and check in on to see like, oh, who did I meet last month? Oh yeah, that's right. I met Jacob. Oh yeah, I remember what we talked about. Yeah, that's right. We had a good conversation about this. You know what? I remember I made this note. Good thing I made this note because he said, you know, in a month from now, he'd like to talk to me about a project they have coming up. And it's just like all, that's just one networking event with 10 people. So imagine if you went to 10 networking events across the entire year, and then you multiplied that by five years of freelancing or 10 years of freelancing. You've taken all of this time all of this effort, probably some money to, you paid to get into these events, and then you squander it all because you don't have a system in place that helps you to organize and structure the network that you've built for yourself, and you end up forgetting probably 90% of the people, and they forget you because you never follow up. They forget that you exist, of course, and of course they never call you for their project if they don't remember that you exist. So having a tool like that to just like take all those contacts make those couple notes the day after the networking event, plop them in your CRM, add them as leads. You know, uh, this guy was a cold lead. He, they don't have any projects coming up, but I'll follow up with him in two months anyways. And, oh, this guy said we should talk next week. So I'll definitely, you know, make a reminder for myself that's going to send me, ping me via email, remind me that I need to talk to this person. You know, that the, the snowball effect of doing that consistently is just like so, so drastic and so monstrous and to think that I was freelancing for like a good seven or eight years when how many opportunities I probably lost uh, because I didn't have a system like that in place is just bring, brings a tear to my eyes a little bit <laughs> yeah I mean I was exactly the same at the start of my freelance career as well I mean like like you say it's just being able to note it down in one place and have that system remind you and I think this is why people think that networking doesn't work because they go to they might go to five mm. networking events and then they don't get any business from it I'm like oh i'm not wasting my time it cost me gas to get there parking had to buy a drink there pay the three pound entry or whatever it may be and then they get no return from it but did they follow up did they continuously follow up no probably not and the reason why they didn't do that is because that crm system wasn't in place and it's such it's such a like small amount of time to set up this system and to just input those notes yeah. um, afterwards. That it, yeah, it really does go a long way into helping uh, you develop client relations, keep up with uh, current customers. And even like, even the customers that you do have and you finish the project, you can then make a note. Okay, let's follow up with these guys in three months and check if they right. need more services. Let's do a, you know, a, a revision bundle in six months time. Like, you can do all these things that you have in your head because probably as a creative person in you know in the freelance space you have all these ideas of what you could do for clients but you just don't have anywhere to put them you just think of them and then they disappear having that crm system in place is such a fantastic place to put that information and make sure that action is taken upon those ideas and to, to get those customers yeah um, absolutely and uh, I th this is borne out for anyone who's probably been freelancing for a little while already like you might have one great client, and then you know three months after your last project, 
you hear that your like best contact at their company moved somewhere else. And so you've done a cons like years maybe of consistent work for this company and like they they've been happy with it there's no problems but just the person who you were always personally in touch with they've moved to a different company and suddenly you might have completely lost that company as a client if you aren't the kind of person who's always actively following up and checking in and you know sending those emails sending those reminders like hey you know it's been a while since our last project what are you guys up to is anything we need to maybe have a coffee and chat about and then you get that email back. This happened to me, so I, I know for sure. It's like, oh, hey, Ben, that's right. Like, didn't you do those projects for us? Yeah, the guy you know used to run all those projects you did. He's gone now. And, oh, good thing that you followed up because uh, no one had your contact de uh, details anymore and stuff like this. All of that can happen. So even the clients that you've already gotten for yourself and have, like, secured and they know and like you, if you just lose that, like, one person who was your contact point at that company – you might have suddenly lost an entire revenue stream. So it's not not only just for new clients, it's for existing clients as well to have a system in place for, you know, post a project that uh, you're reminding yourself to follow up with them, you're checking in on what they're up to, you're making yourself available to them in a way that, you know, just is a gentle reminder, like, hey, I'm, I'm still here, just, you know, just, just waving my hand, just like the virtual crossing the street and saying hello, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a great way to avoid that sort of dreaded feast and famine cycle, which we talk about a lot on the podcast. It's going through periods of time where you have loads of clients and loads of money coming in, and then you go through a period of no clients because you weren't, you know, chasing new clients whilst you had clients. You just yeah. go through this up, down, up, down, up, down cycle. Yeah, um, I feel the pain. That's uh, yeah. you. You mentioned earlier uh, the transition, like maybe into freelancing, where someone gets maybe one good client right away and then they don't think to do any of the business tasks that would continue to get them clients. I did exactly that, like one-to-one, 100%. -one, I got out of college. A friend of mine uh, connected me with a studio that hired me immediately for like three months of full-time work. I was like, woo, I made it <laughs> straight out of college and I got like this full-time work and it's looking good. And then the three months ended and I'm like, so... Where's wait? I don't have any jobs lined up. Yeah, oh crap! I should have been talking to. I should have been going out there. Oh my god! What, what an idiot! <laughs> no, that's yeah, exactly it's so classic. But that happens to. Oh, I, I want to. I want to say it happens to the best of us. Maybe I shouldn't lump myself in with the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. That happened to me as well. It happened to basically everybody I know. It's that sort of, and it's the getting complacent as well. When you when you're on a hot streak as a freelancer, you know, clients coming in through referrals. You think, you know, I don't need to market. I don't need to, mm. you know, keep in contact. I don't need to follow up with these people, man. I got got clients for days and rolling in it. And then like <laughs> a year later, it's like, yeah, man, I probably should have, <laughs> probably should have been consistently growing it. And I think yep. that is probably you know earlier we were talking about going from freelancer to agency or freelancer to business that is a massive difference in the fact that as a business having those feast and famine cycles or as like a, a bigger business not just like a freelance business with an individual having those feast and famine cycles as a business is insanely dangerous because your your running cost is so much higher than mm -hmm. just a freelancer. The reason why you can do that as a freelancer, some freelancers are quite comfortable having a month or two months where they don't make any money and they just lean into it. They might go, you know, on a vacation, they might go on a travel holiday somewhere, they might go traveling and they don't worry about it. They know that they've done enough work that eventually clients will come um, and they know that if they push a little bit, they can get clients and they lean into it. But as a business, if you transformed into an agency and you've got people on the books, you're paying people, and all of a sudden now your running cost has gone from just your rent and a couple of subscriptions to 20 grand a month in employee wages or even like you know 10 grand a month in one or two people and a few more subscriptions. Yep. And suddenly those months really start to hurt when you're not getting uh, that consistent work. So mm -hmm. I think a key to that sort of evolution to the business stage is that consistency uh, in the revenue and again obviously a CRM system is massively important and is why you know they charge I mean they charge big bucks for like things like Salesforce and like HubSuite, uh, HubSpot and stuff so um, yeah, I yeah for sure and that's uh, that's because of the scale and that's why I think that 
um, full scope freelancer can be competitive in the space is because you know we're we're not trying to sell to Fortune 500 companies who will sign up and then send you know two million emails a week that our <laughs> you know server has to be able to handle and of course that comes with a certain amount of of costs uh, in, intrinsic in that transaction and so being able to take those same tools and say like hey we're marketing to an audience of people like maybe some of them uh, we hope you know and hope and pray that they will be extremely successful maybe they'll be blasting crazy email campaigns at some point but probably the the most of them will be starting their business or you know just uh, going from only having like the website to maybe oh, like oh great look all these tools that i've heard about and i wanted to try but now i can actually afford them um, so because of the the scale we're operating at in terms of where our customers are and what they're likely to require from us in terms of resources, that's that's where we can, uh, you know, be competitive and meet them at a price point that is good for them, uh, but isn't obviously bankrupting us on the back end. Yeah, that was one of the first questions I had for you. It was like, how do you run this without going bankrupt? And I think that is the answer right there because it's like, okay, you've got all these things. What if... And I asked you, I think, what if somebody makes a hundred websites because they can make unlimited <laughs> websites on your package? I'm like, isn't that just going to roast your hosting and electricity bills? And then, <laughs> it's going to get warm in here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I guess you've answered that there. Where it's targeted very specifically to small individual freelancers. Yeah. Um, I guess as the business evolves as well, there may be business packages or, you know, there's... Other yeah, it's, it's possible, it. and and we would be able to scale in that way if we wanted to. Um, but yeah, right now our, our main focus is uh, helping freelancers and and small businesses and the self-employed. So uh, they don't necessarily have to only be freelancing by the nature of their business, but maybe they started a little side hustle and you know want to run an emails new newsletter or uh, are doing I don't know some some creative uh, work where oh damn i i want to be on all the social media but that's t such a time suck great we've got a tool for that so m most likely most people will only be using a couple of the tools at a time but the rest are there for when they need them or want them or are interested in trying them out and so that's the kind of the value proposition as we have it's like hey you could go spend the same amount of money elsewhere and get only one or two or three tools and you would definitely have only the stuff you need but here you could spend the same amount of money have the stuff that you need and other stuff for trying out testing because a lot of freelancers and at least in my experience are very creative people generally even if they're not necessarily in a super creative niche um, and are, are probably you know more open-minded to trying out new stuff and would be willing and and interested if the opportunity was there, but again, because of just like software costs and uh, and the the ask the the thought of like okay, especially if you're not crushing it yet, if you're not doing so well yet that you know paying another thirty bucks a month for another subscription is just like peanuts to you, then you're always you know considering uh, is this really is this going to be worth it and is the free trial long enough or am i just going to get stuck at this free version where like the features are limited and that's always going to annoy me but then i'm going to get sucked in and end up having to pay and you know so that's just stuff that i wanted to avoid again scratching my own itch and so hoping to help other people avoid it as well yeah, because one of the most important things as a beginner freelancer that we teach people is keep your running cost as low as possible. Mm. Obviously, this is a fantastic way to do that because you don't have to go out and get a load of individual subscriptions and rack up that running cost of your business straight away. I mean, here, even if you're just, you know, like you said, doing a side hustle, it makes, you know, having a low running cost makes you really quick to profitability. You do one small yep. project and you've covered it. Um, and some and then the, it, it removes that level of pressure from you because you're not like you know you don't have these extra bills that you need to um, pay because you've not got like six subscriptions just in order to run your business you've got this one small one therefore you're not rushed into like taking bad deals with clients you're not like you don't have that smell of desperation on you when you go to clients <laughs> and stuff so I, I like it it's just it's just this one small package that you can just get and then jump into and, and start without having to worry about all this other stuff um but yeah i mean we'll see because it's going to be interesting to watch 
the development of full scope freelancer um, as well. And if like as the business grows and as you incur more costs, um, will the price go up for new members in the future? Mm. Um, so, but I guess that's that's something that you're going to discover on your own entrepreneurial journey. Um, and and yeah, and I'll ask you. I, I know we've spoke about this off the podcast, but I'll ask you about um, the actual structure of the business as well. So how 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 did that come to start financially? Was that something that you put your own money into? Did you get capital investment? Did you get uh, any resources from you know governments and business groups? Or yeah, you know, how did how did that get going? I was mostly bootstrapped by myself, um, and luckily. Uh, going back to your idea of uh, keeping costs low, that's something I also was extremely uh, cognizant of from the beginning. So I, I knew like, hey, this is going to take a while to roll out and it's going to be a while if I'm at this pro- in a uh, price point. Profitability is not going to be like within the first couple of weeks of launching it. Um, so I I'd also on my end need to keep costs low. Um, so mo- mostly bootstrapped, but also uh, for all of the um, red tape that Germany has, they also have uh, some not too not too shabby um, support for entrepreneurs and people who want to start uh, in a, basically working for themselves or start a small business. Um, so that's a, something I was also able to take advantage of. And um, I think in every every state in Germany, it's a little different. Again, not not being completely German, even though I've lived here a while, I'm not 100% uh, up to date on everything. But Hamburg, for example, is a very, it's a city state. Uh, so it's it's both. And it's also pretty, uh, in terms, as, as far as Germany goes, it's pretty forward looking. So they have a lot of opportunities for startups to um, apply to the city, present business plans, potentially secure, um, at the very least, some like minimal, like, uh, you know, keep you alive for a little while funding if not maybe a little more and uh, so i already participated for example in a in a startup um, program for a couple months where they they paid us to go see coaches and and fine-tune our business ideas and we had sessions and got to practice pitching and all this kind of stuff and also um got a little bit of money on top to go seek out our our own like advisors or things that were important for our business. So I used mine to help pay for a couple of design tasks and some you know, video and stuff that I knew I could never produce on my own. Uh, so, so that was there for me. And it was pretty minimal though. So I wouldn't say it was like, uh, uh, like oh damn, I, I, know I went from uh, earning my money one way to just dropping it all and starting full scope freelance. I was still doing work in the background when I was uh, getting going. And probably won't be full, full, full time, like definitely not doing any other jobs until uh, February next year, because I still had some clients who were paying me good money to do work for them. And uh, it was enough, minimal enough that I knew I could still uh, work on this without uh, you know, having to burn the midnight oil and stay up until 2 a.m. every day trying to juggle both things. Uh, so that that's how it played out for me, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a fantastic way to do it as well, retaining full control of the company. Like you haven't given anything up by the sounds of it to capital investors. No, capital no. investors. So. And I think yeah, the, uh, it's 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 hard because again, uh, like I said, this is um, an opportunity that I was able to take advantage of with these uh, white label type uh, um, business plan that I pursued. And so since it's not that that's, you know, that's not 100% mine, so to speak, you know, it's someone else built that and I'm able to use it for my business, just like someone else built Google Docs. And if, if G Drive <laughs> screws up and uh, eats shit and goes offline tomorrow, then a whole lot of people will be seriously d- uh, affected by that. Um, but no, at the uh, nonetheless, we, you know, rely on the services that we're we're using. And so that's that made it harder for me, uh, for example, to like go and, you know, do like a big pitch for a ton of funding because and I, I am reliant on the service providers that come to us. And I think I picked good ones and I'm not worried about anything, um, any any issues. And most of the stuff is also 
uh, not necessarily reliant on them staying online and existing like super super long term anyways so it, it should be fine um, but that's you know where I, I knew from the get-go like I'm not going to be able to go and like get 500 grand or something for this crazy new software tech product because I, I I'm not a developer who developed this stuff I'm a just a person who saw an opportunity in the market to take something that uh, is, is already exists and retool it and present it to a market that I think is under uh, served and deserving of just the same amount of awesome epic business tools that uh, Microsoft and the others have at their disposal. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like you've got that trade-off of risk then because you're depending on these other um, businesses to stay in business and keep running their services that you mm-hmm. use. Um, so yeah, so there is that level of risk there. But I mean, do you see the development of your business going bespoke in the future uh, to take away that element of risk if you generated enough capital from customers? Is that mm-hmm. somewhere you'd look at going is taking that, that level of risk away by building that piece of software yourself in-house? Um, that depends because um, it, it, it depends on the obviously on the, the partners and the software that we deploy. If if I ever got the, you know, was of the opinion like, mm, hey, like that's the direction they're going in is maybe not sustainable. Like, do we need to pivot here? Um, then I, I would consider something like that. Um, but I think there would be more than enough runway because outside of like the uh, server infrastructure and just the the hosting and things which are in our control, excuse me, um, I would say any like any problems like that that would arise at and at the very least we would still have our working version of the product that is on in most cases like for example with the crm like that that's a tool that just works it, it doesn't have it's not like connected you know it's going to work locally for you and it's not going to totally fail if uh, if the company went sideways that's p- providing that service so that's going to be fine and, and we'll have at least you know the final version of it will exist and for sure be stable long enough to you know if, if there were some kind of emergency bring in some developers to redo it uh, so that's a, it is a it's, it is a risk for sure but i don't see it as being terribly likely or something that we wouldn't be able to get ahead of in a way that would absolutely like ruin us yeah yeah, and what's your plans for the business um, as a whole? Like, do you, I, I know you started this business to solve that problem for you, but have you since reevaluated your situation and been like, okay, my goal is to sell this company in, in ten years, or my goal is to reach X amount of oh, I'm of not customers. Yeah, I'm not that far along. I would say, I, I'm I, first. I have to do it. I'd say a lot more work on the business before. I start to consider whether I can kick back and and sell it for a profit. <laughs> so I'm not quite there yet. Um, and I don't know. I've, I've, I have thought about that already. Like, hey, is this a thing that I'm building to sell or is this a thing I'm building to own and, and keep up? And probably that will just depend um, as I think a lot of things on uh, depend on just like where, I, where I'll be in three or five years from now. Um, you know, maybe the if if it's going well enough and the opportunity to sell it looked good enough and i was busy enough with something else you know in my life or wish i had more time for other things then i could potentially do that like i i said before i'm i'm pretty open minded and I'm not super uh yeah crazily committed to anything so much except my uh family probably that i would just like couldn't imagine ever giving it up so the same thing with the music and audio work i used to do i always thought i I like this but if if something came along that i also thought was interesting i could do it and i probably would say i have the same uh you know same attitude towards this project as well so you know if if something comes along in two or three years and i feel that i can i can leave this in a good place that you know, obviously i don't want it to crash and, and burn and put it in the hands of some moron and, and disappoint all the clients that have signed on over the years that's a definite no-no that's you know, no need to tank my reputation uh, uh even for a, a very nice looking paycheck so that's not something i'd be interested in but uh, yeah that's that's a 
a path that I will have to decide on later, I would say. For now, I'm just really focused on getting more people uh, aware of our product, getting more people into the product to test it and help us. Uh, we had a good uh, beta group who was really key and kind of uh, helping us figure out what we were doing. And I'm really happy that most of them are still here and still enjoying the product and you know, just slowly onboarding the next uh, next generation of freelancers, so to speak, who will hopefully be ultra effective and ultra profitable because they have this uh, better access to tools than I used to have, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of onboarding the next generation of freelancers, um, listeners can head to uh, fullscopefreelancer.com, right, is the web address where they can mm -hmm. head to to sign up. And if you go to, uh, I'll put the exact link in the show notes, in the, in the show notes, so you can just click wherever um, you're listening to this podcast below, uh, and you'll be able to access it for um, uh, an exclusive 30-day free trial. But yeah, head over to fullscopefreelancer.com slash 100k and you'll get 30 day free trial to check that out and it will end like if you haven't if you're just getting into the game it's the perfect tool everything's there if you've already been freelancing for a while um and you've you know you've probably know by now there's a lot of tools that you've got and those bills start to rack up this is you know a great uh, a great way to reduce that cost and it is a fantastic piece of software as well i've personally used it like i said at the start i did have my doubts um, and I asked Ben. <laughs> Too good to I was be like, true. dude, how is this? Yeah, how is this real? And I vetted it out so I can, yeah, I can give my personal stamp on that for you as well. So, nice. Uh, yeah, head over. Uh, you, you mentioned also, um, you know, even if you're already started and already using some of these tools, like I understand there's a big pain point there in, sw in switching anytime you've already kind of got your little nest that you've built for yourself in, in your email manager, in your MailChimp, you know, or in Zapier, wherever you're at. Um, but that's one of the things that um, people who have been with us the longest have been most excited about, I, I can report, uh, is that they're like super excited to close down those other accounts once they've migrated, you know, all of their processes and all of their systems over. For like every time I, you know, move all of my business from that other subscription I'm still paying for over to free, uh, full scope freelancer, then I can cancel it. And I'm just saving even more money. I'm like shedding the dead weight, so to speak. So uh, I've had like people email me like, I finally like was able to cancel my WordPress account. And I never liked WordPress in the first place. Why <laughs> I was like This is great. Now I'm, I'm saving just that much more money every month or every year. Once I was able to move this tool and that tool and this other tool over. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to give you feedback on the product or they just genuinely have questions, where can they reach you? Yeah, they can either just email me at support at fullscopefreelancer.com. That's always an option. Or if they want to chat with me personally, you can go to fullscopefreelancer.com slash book uh, hyphen a hyphen call. And you can just hop into my calendar. We can have a, a quick talk. I'm happy to discuss, you know, whatever everyone is is up to. Not just, you know, it's not a sales call. It's more of a like, hey, let's, you know, tell me about your business. Tell me about your freelancing efforts. What are your goals, and what are, what are your questions, and how can we help? Because we we're also trying to, and that's something I know that we hope to partner up on in the future is is build out more education for the community because I I do understand that you know because there are so many features inside of this one subscription, you can feel a little overwhelmed and some people might have like a little like FOMO, like, oh God, I'm not using everything. Am I somehow like missing out, but I don't understand what this is yet or I don't know how to use this. And so that's something we hope to do a better job of in the future is, is not only provide people with the tools, but also the information of how to best use the tools, whether they even need all of the tools. Not every tool is going to be necessary for every freelancer and every business. So we want people to feel uh, you know, safe and secure that they're using the tool in the right way for them that's maximizing you know, their, their output and their results and to not leaving anything on the wayside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, yeah, maybe they're, they're, a, a good educational video would be like, 
as a starter freelancer like these are the main three things you should be using inside of this platform mm -hmm. and like i said maybe we come to some sort of uh partnership in the future as well on a 100k freelancer club we'll take you through an exact guide of like you know what level where you should be and you know how to take advantage uh of the tools uh throughout your freelance career so yeah uh, but yeah i want to say a massive thanks for coming on uh the podcast today ben and speaking about your experiences in freelancing in entrepreneurship um, and you know, given your advice and expertise uh, on this amazing new software that you've created, I appreciate you having me. It's always nice to chat, Jacob. Yeah, and it will be it will be really maybe we get you back on the podcast as well uh, if you have time in like a year's time or something like that, so we can see the evolution and we can have a, a catch up uh, and see how your entrepreneurial uh, progress has been made. Let's do it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll catch you in the next episode of 100K Freelancer Club. Uh, but remember, please do subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening, whether that's Apple, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, all of the platforms. Uh, we'd love it if you could subscribe. Subscribe.